Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, a K2 Integrity Podcast. This podcast series is business and financial fraud, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. For this series, I'm joined by Joanne Taylor, a managing director at K2 Integrity. Joanne has 20 years of legal investigations and financial crime compliance experience, which includes fraud risk management, anti-bribery and corruption, regulatory enforcement, and fraud investigations experience working within the financial and legal services industries. I'm also joined by Ray Dukey. Ray is a managing director of K2 Integrity's investigation and risk advisory practice. He has more than 25 years experience in compliance, integrity risk monitoring and management, and investigations. His experience spans across industries with specific focus on financial services, life sciences, as well as real estate and construction. Over the next five episodes, we will take a look at the top fraud trends to expect in 2021, the regulatory landscape in 2021 and misconduct, best practices in fraud prevention, how to detect fraud, and responding to fraud once uncovered. Today, I'm joined by Ray Dukey, and we look at the regulatory landscape for 2021 in misconduct. This five-part K2 Integrity podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in the K2 Integrity podcast series on business and financial fraud. Today, I have with me Ray Dukey. Ray, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. It's always great to be on with you. Ray, uh, we recently had a change in administrations here in the United States, and there are many changes, but one that is really not a change, I think, is how the regulators in the United States, certainly in the form of the uh, Department of Justice, views fraud and fraud risk, particularly around the amounts of money that the government has pumped into the economy. So I was wondering if we might start with what did you really see in sort of the fall um, of 2020 in terms of what the Department of Justice was saying about fraud, waste, and abuse? And has that message changed uh, really with the change in the administration? Yeah, great, great question, Tom. I, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a shift in the administration and the focus. I think you went from one administration that was sort of pro-Wall Street to another administration now that's more pro-Main Street and pro-consumers. And so I think with that, um, you also have President Biden laying out a really aggressive uh, or ambitious plan for the next four years, I think many of which has certain implications on corporate compliance officers. I think also President Biden has brought in uh, you know, new cabinet members for all of his various different agencies. Some of those individuals um, with uh, you know significant experience and and history um, of uh, focus on law enforcement. I think what all of this points to is that you may see an uptick in regulatory enforcement activities. You may see shifts in, and we're starting to see some of these shifts as well in recent regulations. But I think you would expect to see more, or we should expect to see more in the in the coming year and years ahead. 
Ray, in an earlier uh, K2 Integrity podcast, we explored the new National Defense Authorization Act, specifically around the amendments to the Bank Secrecy Act. And I was very surprised yesterday to read in the Wall Street Journal that banks and financial institutions are looking for regulatory guidance around that law. Uh, is that the kinds of things that you would have expected the Biden administration to to move forward on to, to give banks or other institutions and operations that are a, a, that law applies to sort of regulatory guidance on the, the things they need to do to comply with that law? Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I think that's just a you know one example or a tip of the iceberg, if you will. I think we we should expect to see more of this in in the coming years and months. For you know that particular law, it has I think it's all geared towards um, you know protection, right? Protection of uh, against terrorist financing. It's protection for consumers and and their their monies and their accounts um, and and potential cyber fraud and other frauds. I think that's where, when I mentioned at the outset that you have an administration that's sort of pro Main Street, we I think we will expect to see more of those consumer protection laws and regulations, and and I think the way they manifest themselves will be in many different forms. I think you also have the SEC DOJ um, with the new veterans in in those seats. That it may it may be a hint at an uptick in FCPA cases. It may be hinting at an uptick in potential. SEC enforcement activities. Um, I think sanctions, you have a president who has a sort of a different uh, approach to international affairs. That may in of itself hint at there being a shift in sort of focus of, of sanctions regulations, you know, good good and bad, right? Or, or more stringent and less stringent in certain areas, right? And so I think uh, from cybersecurity, the recent, you know, threats, uh, you know, and, and hacks, um, you know, by, by nation states and other threat actors, you know, for example, the solar winds issue, Twitter, Marriott, Clark, Clark County. I think these are all sort of signs of significant threats against the consumers potentially, as well as corporate America and government entities. And so I, I believe you may see a shift in sort of regulations there and, and the related enforcement activities. Re- reopening of the economy, you got 1.9 trillion in, in potential new monies going into the marketplace, that comes with, you know, strings, Tom, as, as you, <laughs> I think we've reported in the past, right, that that there are many strings attached to that, that corporate uh, compliance officers need to be mindful of and ensure that their folks are adequately trained up on that. Biden talks about, President Biden talks about, you know, uh, new regulations around EPA, rejoined the Paris Accord. I think that will have implications on what the EPA does from a regulatory compliance perspective, right? And President Biden also talked about racial equality, criminal justice reform, you know, immigration laws. I think those those that that conversation may manifest itself by way of what we see in terms of consumer, the Consumer Protection uh, Bureau, right? What they do in potentially regulating corporations. By way of new regulations, uh, you know, protecting against underserving communities or, or the concept of redlining, you may see some of that uh, being uh, addressed by the uh, the new regulators. And so, I think when when you know people are listening to President Biden and his administration talk, you know, I think the the average person is sort of hearing, oh, it's great, 
the, the people like myself and and you know others at, at K2, when we listened to that, we're like, okay, regulation, regulation, <laughs> and potentially more regulation, and that means more work for our corporate compliance officers. And let me just pick up on that last point, CCOs, corporate compliance officers. What are some of the conversations you and your K2 integrity colleagues are having now, literally as we record this podcast, about the expectations of this administration on CCOs, on compliance programs, and more importantly, how can CCOs and compliance programs really prepare to deal with uh, a, a, an entire change of philosophy around the regulatory environment. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, that uh, you know, last uh, last week or earlier this week, I forget, Tom, but uh, but I got an email from from a client of mine that says, Ray, uh, what what do you know about the new uh, AML CFT uh, regulations, and what what you know, what do we need to do about that, and and what training uh, do we need to provide to to our folks? So, yes, Tom, the, the conversations are starting and have started. And with the first sort of new uh, new new uh, law or, or updated law, and I think it will continue as as the administration and you know the new appointees continue to refocus on you know the the federal sentencing guidelines and or the new uh, consumer fraud protection laws and regulations that are implemented. I think we will see more and more as those things are coming down the pipeline. Corporate compliance will need to respond and react to them, and and you know, I, the, as with any of these podcasts that we do, I can't emphasize enough what a, a fraud and, and regulatory compliance risk assessment means for an organization, because there are sh- constant shifts in the regulatory landscape. We need to be, uh, you know, uh, vigilant and 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 monitor those changes and address how our company's policies and procedures are are reacting or responsive to them. Ray, are you typically called in uh, to a client, you know, after they've gotten a letter from the SEC or the regulators at the door or whistleblower reports come in, come in or, or the conversations you have are more of a proactive that clients are saying, what, what can or should we be doing now and help maybe guide them through things that can be more, uh, um, prescriptive or preventative rather than simply uh, responding to a crisis? I would say all of the above, uh, Tom. Um, I, you know, I, the, the, one, the one, you know, email I received from last week was, was proactive. Here, here you have a, a compliance officer that, that's mindful of that there's a new, you know, new regulations, which, which, you know, may not necessarily take effect right away, but but he was being proactive and saying, hey, what does this mean for, for my organization, right? So you have that. You also have cases where, you know, uh, corp- corporate compliance officers are responding to cyber threat issues that they need to, they need a, an understanding of what went wrong. Um, and many, many a times it's not, you know, it's not just that the fact that they were hacked, but the fact that why was it that our internal controls didn't prevent this? That's usually the question that they're asking, right? How is it that you know we spend you know millions of dollars on and all of these you know internal controls and putting things into place? Why was it that it didn't prevent this from happening? And how can we put in place new controls to prevent this from happening in the future? So I think that's where you see sort of the the, the calls, right? It's investigations are sort of the, the responsive act aspects of this. The preventative piece of it is that what's happening with this new regulation that we need to address. And then in the middle, you have 
all of the other calls that are sort of, hey, we think we may have a problem. Can you help us with this? One of the my favorite topics to talk about really over the first couple of months in this year, and that is the appointment of Merrick Garland to be the designate for the attorney general. I've talked to a lot of people about Merrick Garland, many ex-DOJers uh, who know him personally, worked with him when he was at the Department of Justice, and um, they all express admiration for him. They all express how much he loves the Department of Justice. And some have even said that he would prefer this job even more than being a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Um, but I was wondering maybe what your thoughts might be on what uh, the appointment of Judge Garland means for the DOJ going forward? Yeah, no, uh, another great question, uh, Tom. I, I think, you know, it, Mer- Judge Judge Garland is a very seasoned veteran um, of, of law enforcement. Um, I think that, you know, from just doing research, I don't know him personally, but from doing research on how, you know, his past cases, he has always sort of sided with law enforcement. And I think sitting in a, in a CCO, chair you know that would that would give me a, a little bit of pause in that if if we're you know bringing a case um to the doj and you know we may have some flaws in our cases chances are he will not side with us and and so we need to really have a, a strong buttoned up uh investigation that we conduct internally and then present that to someone like you know judge garland because i think he would see through see through that. Right. And so I think you have that sort of focus. I think, you know, he's going to have his hands full in the, in the, you know, once, once appointed, I mean, you have the, the capital uh, riots and the attacks that that's going to be a handful for the FBI and DOJ to prosecute. I think you're going to have, you know, with all these new uh, regulations, it, it's going to be a shift in, in how, how the DOJ appoints their resources to address those issues. Judge Garland would be, you know, have his hands full at the DOJ with some of the things that we're seeing in the media. Um, you have some issues with the stock market right now, right, with potential manipulation of, of uh, you know, stock prices for certain stocks, GameStop, for example, right? Uh, I think that may prompt attention by, by some regulators. You, you may have stricter rules, regulations around cryptocurrency, right? That's a big thing now, Bitcoin and, and, and the like. I expect that we'll also see uh, some some you know emphasis and focus on identity theft, credit card fraud, cyber fraud, and uh, all of that in the short term. In the longer term, I expect the DOJ may be focusing on some of the uh, you know other regulations such as the EPA claims. We also might see uh, you know some AML, FCPA, and antitrust uh, focus as well by by Judge Garland and the administration. Ray, uh, I had an opportunity to visit with uh, your colleague, Joanne Taylor, on an earlier podcast around fraud trends. And one of her suggestions was that companies step back with a a macro view of their fraud risk management program in the form of a fraud risk assessment, uh, testing control, doing a gap analysis, seeing if there uh, were gaps that they needed to remediate to prevent. Would that sort of analysis or or, uh, protocol also work with uh, more of a regulatory compliance framework as well? Another great question, Tom. I think from, from my perspective, it's the same type of approach. Uh, they're, 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 uh, an organization needs to refresh sort of their thinking around what's happening in the current environment and regulatory landscape. 
They need to understand the risk and exposures for their organization and the implications for their compliance program. And as such, I think they need to, to do a detailed assessment and gap analysis of where their programs may be at risk and, and how to remediate those risks in a, in a timely manner. Ray, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time uh, for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us uh, when uh, in our next episode where we take up best practices in fraud prevention. Until then, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of a K2 Integrity podcast, business and financial fraud yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Check out the resources available on the K2 Integrity website, which is listed in today's show notes. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us.